Well, welcome back to The Pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and I'm excited this week for this episode because I have a special guest in the studio. It's a very dear friend of mine. It's been a friend of mine for years. In fact, he was one of the guys that helped me get going in ministry that really encouraged me in the beginning. Uh, He's been on our show before, but he's in town this week uh, speaking at one of the local parishes and also doing some work for uh, a company he works for, too, uh, Communio. But, I mean, I'm so excited to welcome my friend here, especially on this, this, this uh, special feast day we have. So, without further ado, I, I won't keep you guys in sus- uh, suspense anymore. I want to welcome to the show and to the studio my good friend, Damon Owens. My man. Yeah, man. It's good to be with you. <laughs> oh, it's my gift, especially on this great feast day, but yeah. any day would have been a gift. So. Yeah, man. Well, i tell be you with what, you. what it's been... I guess it was Seek the last time we saw each other. Oh, wow. In the Marriott lobby. That's you know? right. That's <laughs> that, right. You that, had the portable unit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. You were just getting those interviews. Yeah, though. man. I love it. Yeah, I it was you it. and me and Hector and uh, David B. Wright <laughs> and a bunch right. of people hanging out. And it was like a who's who in there. It then was. It was us. And <laughs> it was a lot of, lot of cigar, a lot of lot of whiskey, and about three days of recovery after. Yeah, was getting back to Pennsylvania. But, yeah, that, yeah. I think that's the last time we saw each other, man. So it's good to see, see you again. And, man, I've been following what you've been doing. Uh, I know you've made uh, some changes in work. I know you're still with uh, uh, joy, it's uh, joyfully ever after. Correct, I was about joyful to say joy ever to be, after. which was the previous, which, which is which is still up there. Is we can it? talk about that the distinctions, but yeah, it's, sure. it's joy all joy all the time. But joyful ever after is the yeah. the marriage focus. So yeah. you're the executive director of it, correct? Yes, with my beloved Melanie. Yep. That's yes. right. How's she doing? She is blessed. She yeah. really is. We're in a good season right now. Yeah, with, uh, that's the years. awesome. Yeah, yeah. What about the kids? So uh, eight children, all yeah. boys except the first seven. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. Got to throw that out there. So we have four at home, four yeah. out out of the coop, and uh, we're finding that the parenting the four out of the house is more energy than the four in the oh, house. Oh, I bet. Yeah. So it's been interesting, but they're they're all all are well. My yeah. oldest has just celebrated four years of marriage. Wow, I didn't know you had one married. I did, yeah. and she's pregnant with their. They're pregnant with their third. Okay. And the best news that's great news always, but the best news is they moved like. 15 minutes from us from North Carolina. So now okay. we're, uh, they're up in Philadelphia area okay. where we are, so we get to see them every day. That's awesome, yeah. man. grandkids all day. Yeah, rest of them and doing well, school, health, everything. They are. So two in high school, uh, and my son, Nathan, is uh, eighth grade. So, yeah. Yeah, so, so we, awesome, still, we still got that house. Yeah. <laughs> After all this work and all these years, we still got that house. Yeah, that yeah, man. Yeah. I tell you, I, I love what you're doing. And, Thank uh, you. And, you know, you don't have to look around long to, to see how needed your work is, yeah. you know, with the culture and everything else. And it was so funny. We were uh, coming from a Jacob's birthday party, my son, and he's uh, turning 14 next Sunday. But we mm. had it this weekend because I'll be out of town uh, next weekend, at least on Saturday. Yeah. I'll be back we do that all the time. We do that all the yeah, time. I was I like, do I need to really cancel this yeah, event or could right. we celebrate on Monday? Well, uh, <laughs> as long as the airline does their job, I'll be back yeah, on time. Yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. a toss-up these days, too. But Truth. But uh, we were talking on the way back, and I just looked over to Angela and I said, I'm excited to have Damon on tonight and everything. And then it hit me. I was like, today is John Paul II's yes, sir. feast day. Yes, sir. Which I know has had a huge impact on your life. Huge. He has. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, in my generation, he was the only pope I knew, yeah. you know, until I was like 50 or whatever. So was, <laughs> even Benedict, who I've been reading for 15 years before that, sure. Cardinal Ratzinger, it was still a transition not to see and hear, yeah. you know, uh, Papa Giano Paolo, but yeah. So it's it's he's had huge impact in my return back to the faith, mm-hmm. in helping me understand, you know, my relationship with the Lord and and the calling and all the the deep engagement things, and then of course ministry, yeah, and just his embrace of the person and of love and marriage and the family. It's like he's a, just a 
just an unending source of wisdom and encouragement. Yeah, one of the biggest books I have on the shelf over there is his Encyclopedia of John Paul II. So it's yeah. all of his his letters and everything yeah. else. And yeah. I haven't made it through all 900 pages or whatever it is yet, but, <laughs> but uh, I'm working my way through it. But yeah, he was... He was amazing, and I know he's just impacted so many people in our generation. You know, I was not Catholic at the time, but, mm. I mean, I remember being a kid and knowing who John Paul II was. You know, I mean, I universally, him. whether, you know, yeah. Catholic or not, he's recognized as transforming the papacy. Yeah. I mean, just by mere fact of his travels, of um, the number of people that mm-hmm. he impacted, the writings he said, and the encyclicals sure. there, and, of course, the theology of the body, which yeah. really has been the formational sort of blueprint template for everything we talk about now marriage family gender sexuality and, yeah 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 and he and you were you served as the executive director of the theology of the body institute at one time right yeah first executive director I was there yeah. for five years yeah loved it and that was after about uh 12 13 years of independent ministry and mm-hmm. primarily marriage preparation and some you know, youth programs and a lot of, you know, hired gun speaking kind of guy. Sure, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so settled back down. I actually came out of corporate. So I was an yeah. engineer for many years. I remember that electrical, right? Mechanical. Mechanical, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, My we, bad. I, could, no, I, I, I don't you know, know if you guys don't like each other. But. Uh, there's a little bit of internal thing there, but I like to build stuff and I like to know, you know, what yeah. happens when I can touch it. Sure. And uh, I was really involved in telecom and the cellular age in the, oh, yeah. in the 90s and with AT&T Bell Labs. It was an exciting time. And then had my own firm for about a year sold and then decided what I want to do with my life. And I was, you know, what was I 35 or whatever. And, uh, my beloved Melanie is what in her usual wisdom was like, why don't you just, why don't you just speak? Keep speaking. I was like, that's a side gig. That's not, (laughs) we got kids, we got a family, you know? And I said, all right, try for a year. And that was 2002. Okay. So it's been 21 years. Well, what, I mean, I get asked this a lot in my own life since I speak and stuff too, but what was it that led you? I mean, obviously there had to be something that was moving your heart to where mm-hmm. you thought, okay, the Lord is calling me to do other things besides just build things. You know, what else is he calling me to? What was that like? Like, mm-hmm. what was that moment in your life? And, and you know, how did you, because you said to keep speaking. So eventually you had, somebody had to ask you to speak the first That's right. time. That's right. So how did all that happen? Because I don't think we've ever covered that. Yeah, probably not. So, um. See, I went to Brown undergrad mm-hmm. and bachelor's mechanical engineering. Then I went to Berkeley for master's. Okay. And so far away from the faith. But I actually came back to the faith when I met Melanie okay. at Berkeley. So we had this huge conversion in uh, 91, okay. And it was all around sex and sexuality and, and you know, the faith that both of us had grown up with. Mm-hmm. So that whole old thing was going on. We were married in 93. We were already just on fire for the Lord. I mean, together, young couple. Sure. And we started um, learning, teaching natural family planning. So that put us in front okay. of other young couples. It put us in front of a whole world of, you know, you're not going to find lukewarm NFP users in the Catholic sure. world. So our whole formation in the beginning was around couples who took marriage seriously, sure. who took sex and family and, you know, the faith very seriously. So they really formed us in those early years. Oh, wow. We had the fire and they brought a lot of the wisdom and, you know, the gold to bring to the furnace. So we found our early years being around, not just learning, but teaching mm-hmm. and being around not only these couples, but the couples that were brought before us in pre-canas and yeah. learning NFP. And that described at least the first nine years of our marriage. Mm. So that that really impacted us and it put us in a place where we never would have chosen ourselves to teach. Yeah. To be in front of 50, 80, sometimes 200 couples preparing to be married 
and not as experts, but as like this vibrating couple, like sure. you guys got to learn, you got to understand, you know, <laughs> yeah. but it awakened in me uh, a gift of teaching yeah. that I never really saw or nurtured in the engineering world, so it was like the side gig. It was like the guy who figures he can play the guitar. Yeah. So he's doing like, you know, night gigs, you That's know, right. while he goes to work. To the, it was like nights and weekends, and sometimes we would do two, three, four pre-canas a weekend. Because yeah. in New Jersey, it's so dense. Oh, sure. Catholics everywhere, you throw a stone, hit six. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so we would hit like all the five dioceses in New Jersey, New York, and yeah. even in Philly. So it became part of our norm, and I started to realize I love to teach. It's like how I learn. Yeah. So it's not just, you know, just the learning piece. It's, it's the encountering people and the transformations and the fascinating reality of what people actually hear. Mm-hmm. You know, what you think you say, sure. what you actually say, <laughs> what people hear, yeah. right? and then what they want to hear. So it's like sure. this whole, like, relational reality. Yeah. And I, Melanie and I had been doing that together from 93 to about 2002. Mm-hmm. And then when I left corporate, uh, that, that whole year was just a huge disjointed year with with all kind of things in turmoil but that was also the year i was introduced to theology of the body okay that's what yeah i yeah. want to hear about that too yeah so that that awakening wanting to teach loving to do it not even charging i mean i would go to these things it was i wasn't even thinking about money it was it was it was a hobby was, does anyone need to do. learn exactly no does anybody want to listen <laughs> right. and people were called like you said you have to be asked right yeah, i sure. wasn't throwing flyers around and things people yeah. were asking like oh could you come back you know, this was this. So we started to realize, hey, we're having an impact. Mm-hmm. And it also, again, started to shape our marriage. Yeah. So it's, we started bringing things in. Not that we were, we were far from perfect. In fact, we were far from even good. We, we wanted to be good. Yeah. And when you do this every weekend, it's like you continually hold the bar up. Like, oh, sure. Oh, you know, um, all the general marriage things, but also particularly the, the um, decision to be good stewards yeah. you know, of our sexuality. You say that long enough, it becomes this, this constant Sure. So it's like, it's like it's interesting because it was so much external, so much public work, and yet so much of it was personally formative. It was internal, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy, man, how that happens. And something you said that was interesting too, uh, just as a side note, because people all the time are constantly coming up and saying, "Hey, I want to be a Catholic speaker. I want to." And everybody that I know that it's really happened for um, that the Lord has opened that door. They haven't been really looking for it. Yeah. It's just the, somebody's like, hey, I want, could you come and do this? And could you come and do this? And then eventually the Lord kind of sparks this, okay, this is where my heart's calling. I mean, when I left my job, that was, you were one of the first people I talked to about it. <laughs> I was sitting there scared. And you're like, look, the Lord, if you feel like the Lord is calling you and people are providing opportunities, then try it. And and so for those people that are listening that are out there that may want a life in, in uh, speaking, it's going to be a door the Lord opens for you, not one you open true. yourself. Very true. Very so I true. think that's something important that you mentioned. But yeah, the theology of the body. So, like, how did you how did you stumble across that? I mean, you just looked down on the sidewalk one day, and there was the theology of the body. Or? No, like like ninety five percent of everybody in the theology body was Christopher West sure. story, right? So yeah, sure. He's in Pennsylvania. I was in North of New Jersey, and I had been the NFP coordinator for the Archdiocese of Newark. Yeah. I had been speaking, like I say, pre canons and NFP, and I was, you know, doing some work with some, you know, more national. Like Dr. Janet Smith, mm-hmm. um, Father Richard Hogan, God rest his soul, you know, and a lot of pro life work. So there was like I could see there was a there was a world there, but it was never something I was like, oh, I want to be a Catholic speaker. There was really in my world there was no such thing. Sure, um, even Christopher was just coming onto the scene, mm-hmm. maybe a few years. So I was given a talk at um, I think it was a youth event at Seton Hall, and there was a mixture of you know. Catholics and then students and you know it was kind of sure. like and afterwards this kid came up by and was like man you're awesome you sound just like Christopher West 
I was like, okay, thanks. I don't, I don't know who that is. And yeah, he, like, <laughs> he handed me a cassette tape. That ages me, right? Handed me a cassette tape. It was like it was naked without shame. He was like, oh, you listen to this, man. Listen to this. And it sat in my car for like three months, right? Because uh-huh. I was just not because I it was just like it was literally on like the floor. Sure, the yeah. And I was driving down Jersey, folks. We know Route 280 uh-huh. between West Orange and Newark. Okay. And I looked down there, and I was driving. I reached down and I picked up the tape. I put it into the car, and and I listened. And as God is my witness, I had to pull the car over mm. because this man did in about nine minutes what I know, having done it for so many years, it would have taken me an hour. Yeah. And he did it more compellingly. Wow. So the whole framework of this theology of the body, which I had no idea, I never heard the phrase before, never heard him before. Sure. But it's the same subject matter about the stewardship. And I have been using classic humanity vitae and, mm-hmm. you know, unpacking how that lives personally. And it's a long arc, you know, sure. from that. <laughs> sure. So if you, folks, you don't really recommend, you know, the, the contraception question in the 90s is equivalent to the gender question now. Of today. Yeah. Hot. I sure. mean, just bringing it up. People would, you know, like, it's not like that in all anymore. Yeah, right? Stay it's, out of my bedroom, stay out of my and, business, and, stay and, out of, yeah. But violently, like, yeah. you know, why are you bringing this up in marriage prep? So it was, it was a navigating turbulent waters, and Melanie and I really were gifted to be able to speak to our peers at the mm-hmm. time and enter into that. So when I heard him do that nine-minute, you know, ten-minute max, I was like, I-, I need to learn this. And he was dropping words that I just didn't sure. you know, connect before. So that was really the start of it, and I, I went to find that book, and I went to— um, I was just starting a marriage ministry. I remember starting a NFP ministry because okay. yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to support the family and build the first, it was my first nonprofit, New Jersey Natural Family Planning Association. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, a little bit of corporate, a little bit of and all the prestige. It's all the prestige, exactly, and all the money. That's exactly right. what that is. And my idea was, I'm going to get all five family life directors in the state. We're going to have a single unified, you know, source with multiple programs, and I was going to make something yeah. professional. Yeah, that didn't work. But <laughs> it did get into the marriage prep world. But I wanted to get uh, a big splash event. So I'm thinking, all right, I need a big name. I need people to show up. You know, but I don't know. And I said, let me call this Christopher West guy. Mm-hmm. And I talked to his uh, assistant. And ended up being one of my good friends, Janine. Okay, yeah. Here's Janine. And she was like, uh, and she said, when do you want to do it? It was like August. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. I said, I'm thinking like, you know, maybe 19th of September. She's like, of this year? <laughs> And I was like, yeah, what are we talking about? Yeah. Well, he's booked like 17 months out. I looked at the phone like, he's got booking events out for the next 17 months? Wow. Now, remember, this is before there was even this idea of, of lay Catholic speakers. Sure, yeah. You get your priests. You might you get, you know, there might be Matthew Kelly. There might have been like a Mary Beth Bonacci. There might have yeah. been, you know. But there was no such thing as as this. So I'm like, if he's if there's a market for so I had all kind of thoughts going. Sure, through. yeah. Anyway, I did what I usually do and just kept pressing and and got him. Yeah, I got him. I, we finagled that time and a day. Sure. And, and it and and what's beautiful is that night, we had over five hundred people with like three weeks' notice, showing up at Seton Hall University, mm-hmm. and to this day I hear from people in that New Jersey area there must be dozens or at least a dozen apostolates and ministries that started from that night. Wow. Holy Spirit showed up and the people there which christopher just killed it i mean just knocked it out of the park sure me too i'm sitting there just like this is a first time i met him first time i heard yeah the full theology the body that way and that night was the start for so much in that new jersey new york area 
So it was one of those Holy Spirit nights. Oh, I bet, man. He he's phenomenal. I mean, I I had the I've had the blessing to work with him and with Bill Donahue and with you and you all bring such a different flavor and gift to the same yeah. teaching, you know. And it's it's just a, a testament to again the impact of John Paul II and, and and the work. I mean, for me, I remember the first time I ever heard theology of the body was when I was up with Chris Cope and mm. those guys in um, Cardinal Studios yes. and they were doing the rise thing and met Bill Donahue and everybody kept throwing this theology of the body thing around like I don't, what does that mean like <laughs> theology of whose body whose body are we talking about like is there like a, <laughs> the body where's, where's, is there like a dummy going to be rolled in here we're going to have pointing out things and and so uh, yeah I asked Bill probably one night about it and and he was telling me all this stuff, and I was my head felt like it was going to explode. Yeah, because it was just so much, you yeah. know. And and I remember asking him. I said, "Well, what? What? Like, sum it up for somebody who's not super intelligent, you know?" And he <laughs> said, "Be a gift." That's yeah. what he said. It's still true. Yeah, that's it's be a gift. Bill, he got it. Yeah, in every way, and and so that's what had me start researching it. I, I started first going to other people that had researched it, like you and. And Christopher's got you know tons of books. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Everett's had some mm-hmm. theology of the body for beginners, and uh, I just I fell in love with it. Yeah. And honestly, the same thing you're talking about with Melanie, like it started to change my relationship with Angela yeah. too, because I had been someone that was Protestant, and you know we I came into the church and 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 wasn't fully coming to the church for the right reasons. I was coming in to marry her. and It's a great reason. Yeah, that's right. Like, why are you here? I want to marry her. You know, that was it. Welcome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just come the next eight months and you're in. Yeah. But, um, you know, all those things happen. But but it wasn't until the Theology of the Body where I started really thinking about sexuality and, and the way we interacted that way. Um, started seeing places where I was using uh, instead of loving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just, it blows your mind because... You sit there as a guy or, or even as, as a woman, I'm sure, too, and you wonder why you're in the fights you're in or the arguments you're in or there's always a tension. And, and until you start to open up the beauty of that work, it's hard to understand that, right? It's just – and I think yeah. some people are lost in that. Why can we not get along? Why can we not communicate? Mm-hmm. Why do we keep hurting each other? All those things. Well, you, you nailed it. I mean, this is, this is sort of the beauty way. It never gets old. But yeah. I think the part of the – First of all, the power in it is mm-hmm. what John Paul's goal in it, and he succeeded, was to give what he called an, an adequate, a full anthropology, like mm-hmm. the, the fullest truth of the human person. Yeah. Right? And in that truth, you'll then be able to have a frame, a vocabulary, a um, an approach to understand real human experiences. Yeah. So this is, this is important. I actually said this in my prep class this morning, right? Okay. <laughs> where, where we have experiences of things, and they're there we have no idea what they mean. They have a certain affect effect on our affect, right? They make yeah, us feel sure. good, right? But it's an experience. Then we're we're wired to find meaning in those experiences. Yeah. And we try to think of everything that we know, everything that we've seen, everything that, that to try to make sense of a of a real experience. Mm-hmm. And that calls into question authorities. It could be, you know, medical authorities, science authorities, theological, church. It could be you know, subject matter experts. It could be yourselves. But what it does is when we search for the meaning, like everything comes together to try to figure that out. Yeah. The intellect, the memory, imagination, uh, learning. It's, it's a very human thing. Well, what the theology of the body offers, and I think why it has taken off so quickly, so, so strongly, is that it gives a framework, a truest framework of human experiences that we've all had. 
yeah. of being human, having a body, having senses, he smell, hear, taste, touch, of being male, of falling in love, of being hurt, of being disappointed, of being a son, of being you know yeah. a brother, and all these things carry with it these questions about identity, about those relationships, and about reasons why we're here, like our mission. Yeah. And when John Paul dropped this, he didn't drop this as some academic exercise. He dropped it to say, and, and you read it, and it's very propositional. He's like, well, mm-hmm. could this not be? If this brings joy, authentic joy, not just delight, not just pleasure, but brings joy, that must affirm a truth about the human person. Mm-hmm. And then he ties it directly to Christ's own words, right? Yeah. An origin, a history, and a destiny. And it all feeds into, you know, these long-standing truths of the church like christ is he is he is the perfect man mm-hmm. he's humanity and perfection and he is god yeah. so fully god and full humanity means that when christ acts he reveals who he is mm-hmm. right the, the, with him there's no there's no separation there's a distinction but not separation between what he does and who he is yeah. that's why we say look what he does and do what he does Mm-hmm. And then we who want to become fully human as Damon, I follow and I act like Christ, and I become not only more like him, but I become more me. Sure. So all that is in there which says, yeah, but what does it mean to love? What does it mean, even that loaded statement that you, that Bill and you just summarized, be a gift? Yeah. That's loaded. Yeah. <laughs> because it, it gets in questions about, can you really become something? Yeah. What is gift? Is it just this initiative, like, or is it something about we receive and there's a whole just pondering, there's a whole reflection that gets back to real experiences that we've had yeah. and saying, that must be true because that brought me joy, yeah. right? Or that really, really hurt me. So there must be something about that was either missing, something that was disordered, something that was, you know, but we do that because we've had the experience. Yeah. Now, I think there's going to come a time, and we might be in there now, where the, the language and vocabulary of a theology of the body about mutual self-gift, the reciprocal gift, about um, being made for our own sake and following the, or the origin, history, destiny, you know, that the same. We're getting to the point now where it's so baked into sacramental preparation sure. to even understanding the sacraments and reading the scriptures that I'm, I'm curious to see how the, the new effect that it's going to have Comes on a generation, in. right? Where you can learn this, it can be part of your original unpacking of your experiences. Sure. Because when we when it came out, you know, more popularly, you know, in the 2000s and stuff, it all came to us broken folks. Sure. Right? <laughs> so we're using it like a bomb to figure out, like, you know, why am I divorced? Sure. You know, why am I unhappy and frustrated in my marriage? Why am I not married? Yeah. Why, you know, am I broken in my sexual you know, decisions. Yeah. So that was what it came, it came on to, like the bomb, to try to figure out a whole bunch of adult experiences. But I just wonder, like, as you start to make that part of standard human formation, yeah, what's that going to do for a generation that, that you know, there's still be brokenness. But I think having that framework early is going to affect yeah. in a different way. Well, and it's it's baked in now, like you're saying. I mean, it's it's just, this isn't theology of body, this is Catholicism. Yes. Right? I yes. mean, just like that cup of cappuccino Angela made you. I mean, somebody 50 years ago would have said, what is this? Yeah. Right? Like, this is different. It's not black coffee. It's not whatever. Ignorant but, rubes. Yeah, but right. yes. <laughs> yeah. They also saved $12. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but at the end of the day, like, everybody now is like, oh, this is just coffee. This is just coffee. It's what it is. And that's exactly what you're talking about yeah. is 
is it's just become such a natural part of the progression of where people are. And that's why I love going to like Steubenville and Seek and all those things because these young people are aching for this stuff. Yeah. I did an event yesterday in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. It was mm-hmm. the first uh, men's conference they put on. It was actually a guy that was from here, and he moved down there, and they had nothing for men. And it was their first day doing it. I did the whole thing. It was just me. Nice. And uh, it was 180 men. Nice. And a lot of them young. right there on the University of Southern Miss campus. Uh, shout out to all the people that were there, hey. by the way. Um, but a lot of them were young, and they got out. One of them recognized me or something. He'd been to see. He could saw me and came up, and we were talking the night before when I got there. And he was just – everything was about – everything they were saying was theology of the body. Yeah. But never once did you hear the phrase theology of the body. Yeah. It was just who they were trying to be and how they were trying to respect one another and, and the women that were involved and all of these things. And, and for me, that's – I think that's why it's so important for men. You know, we have men and women that listen to the show, but it's predominantly men. Mm. And one of the things that we get the most in emails and questions about is, how do I stop being so selfish? Mm. You know, why does my life, and another one is, why does my wife not want to make love to me? Why does my wife Mm. never want to go to bed with me? Mm. And those things are pretty intertwined. Sure. You know, because most of the times when I looked back, I was always thinking, why am I not getting what I need Mm -hmm. instead of, okay, I'm probably not getting what I need because I'm not giving what she needs, mm. right? And some of those things. And so I, I don't know, Damien, like we live in a crazy world now where marriage has become a, a, a we'll see instead of an I do, mm. you know? Mm. And, and, and that's even mm. if they get to the altar in the first place. You know, we're living in this climate of gender dysphoria you mentioned and, and all these pronouns, oh, you can't even keep up with them and all this stuff. And where do you think all this falls now? Because you, here you are a champion for marriage. I mean, mm-hmm. your whole ministry is about that. All the ministry you've been in and now the one that you've partnered with in Communio, yeah. you know, which I want you to share about those things in a little bit. But, I mean, it seems like everything right now is a, a direct attack on the family and marriage and love. And the way that God chose to show his love to the world is the family. So what are your thoughts there? And this, Because I know people writing all the time about kids that are being led astray by this, kids that have no intention of getting married. All of these things now that were were not even a thought, you know, twenty years ago. That's right. That's right. Or if they were, it was considered just an outlier. We didn't sure. give it pain and, and, and no, never mind. But this is this is I'm all in on this, and yeah. and it's it's come about you know, almost three decades now of, yeah. of being all in here. So this is it really, and seeing how it's changed culturally, how it's changed to live out a, a marriage and a faith that mm-hmm. you know that we have, but also of proclaiming it, you yeah. know, in a culture like this. So I, I kind of grabbing on to different groups and areas and initiatives because they all are really addressing the same issue. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at broadly the theology of the body is about getting to the what and the why of why marriage is so important, mm-hmm. uh, why God created in the beginning before the church, before government, sure. before anything, right? Yeah. It's a human institution. He created from the beginning as the the primary place where humans become fully human. Yeah, I mean, let's let's just name it what it is. And even on this side of sin, uh, marriage carries with it that that primordial power, dignity, value, worth, the ability to form us to become men, yeah. to perform to to women to become women. But it's a human formation, and it is a school. That's why the, our faith calls it a school of love, mm-hmm. marriage, and the family. And we're learning how to love. We're learning the the experience of being loved, and then what to do with that as the as initiating the gift and and how what it looks like as a husband as a father, as a brother, as a son. And Communio has been a great gift because this year working with them has added a real understanding of what's happening in the culture mm-hmm. and how every parish 
can have a more impactful role. In fact, have an impact on it. Because right now, parishes don't have impact yeah. when it comes to relationship ministry. We need to come to that bare fact. Yeah. Um, one of the statistics that we've our research has shown is that, rightfully so, the average, I'm sorry, for the last few years, four to eight, four to six billion dollars, four to six billion dollars has been spent every year on youth ministry. Wow. No complaints whatsoever, sure. right? We're trying to save, we see, well, decision for Christ at 13, you yeah. know, the, got it. The average church in America only spends zero dollars. 85% of churches in America spend zero dollars on relationships. And this is mission. churches. This isn't just parishes. This, this is, is churches. Catholic, Christian, non-denominational, you yeah. know, mainline Protestant. The Christian church experience is not one that's focusing on investing mm-hmm. in relational ministry. And what I mean by that is for singles, marriage preparation, mm-hmm. marriage enrichment, and marriages in crisis. That's what we call a communio, our full circle. Yeah. Because you got it. It's all connected. Right, mm-hmm. it's a single sure. marriage prep, marriage enrichment, marriages in crisis, and the church should be the place where not just parishioners but the neighborhood goes to as a place for help, for strength, for encouragement, for growth, mm-hmm. and that sh- that's like the, one of the core competencies of of Christianity. Yeah, we know what a human person is, and we know how we flourish. Sure, and that God's given us marriage, and we help you to grow and flourish in that, regardless of the laws, regardless of what's permitted, permitted or redefined. Mm-hmm. The church is always, and yet we don't invest at all. Yeah. So our work at Communio is about helping any individual church who is already on mission for marriage to do what probably no church they've seen do. Yeah, to help the one in five couples in the pew who self-describe as struggling in their marriage, one in five. Yeah, that doesn't In the pew, me. so they're showing up at mass, yeah. right? That's the sort of an in-reach that we speak to. The other is the outreach, where every church, every parish has got houses across the street, walking distance, mm-hmm. and a fraction of them are actually parishioners. Yeah. Right? Now, also, it's different down in the south here, right? You, you're like more dense, you know, with, yeah. with that. But even up like in the northeast, where there's a heavy Catholic population or whatever, actually, it doesn't really matter. If there's a, a house, a home across the street from your parish, yeah. and they're married, they need help. Sure. <laughs> so before the full ascent to the faith, what if that, that brick-and-mortar church was a haven for skill-based marriage work that, did, again, didn't require ascent to the faith yet, yeah. but really is just about living the truth of marriage because we know what the truth is about male and female. Yeah. So we help to build that as part of it to reach people and then to leverage what you and I know. We have some of the best resources that have ever been produced in the history of Catholicism. Wow. I mean, you look at the Ascension Press and the Word on Fire and Augustine Institute and these organizations, even small apostolates, and we've got these online resources and workbooks. Yeah. and We've got so much content available. It's, it's amazing. And for each one of them, the problem, even the big ones, how do we get people in front of this? Yeah, how do we get in front right? of people? Yeah, we can spend all the money, we can do that. But yep, and we can show the diocese, we go to a parish, and then yeah. we get there and everything just goes into a black hole, Yeah, right? Make a new flyer. You know, yeah, make sure make right. sure father announces at the end of mass. That's so right. We have the same like in reach outreach that never work. Yeah, you get the same twenty five people to show up. Yep. So there's a and it's not just a technical marketing problem. It is an evangelization problem. Mm-hmm. It's a question about how we know have the competence to bring new people in and to serve them where they need to be served. Yeah. So that aspect of the marriage work has been such a beautiful complement to my previous content work. Sure. Where once you get them there, we've got the content. We can speak to the needs, felt needs. Real needs, yeah. you know, latent needs, you know, obvious needs. Like when somebody's in crisis, you know what they need. Yeah, oh sure. Most couples don't know what they need. It's like it's like an iceberg. Yeah, you know, ninety percent of it is under the water. 
And then they feel embarrassed to even talk to anybody because they have to admit that they they have a problem, exactly. Exactly. right? Then everybody's going to think we're not perfect. Oh, and, I'm a lector. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a prep teacher. I'm, yeah. I'm you know, I'm, I'm a deacon. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, earlier the pictures on the wall behind me and Dr. Bob shoots, and I'll never forget a couple of years ago. You and I've gotten really close, and Good I'm man. actually going to work with them uh, start next year, leading me men's healing conferences with oh, Paul George. Oh, praise God! Yeah, so Bob asked me to do That's that. That's going to transform everybody. Well, pff, man, I, I hope it transforms me. Oh no, it will. No, it will. <laughs> but he's, uh, yeah, he's become a good friend, and I remember a couple years ago, Angela and I, and Angela's in here. I mean, she's always in here, so um, she can throw something at me if she wants me to be quiet. But <laughs> but uh, we we had run into one of those periods in your marriage where you just, it's like no matter what you say or you do, you're you're wrong. You know, you're 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 up against each other. That was it's us, like, 2013. Yeah, yeah. 2013 was our year. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> like you both have sandpaper on and you're just constantly mm, rubbing up against each other. Image. <laughs> or as somebody else once told us, uh, you both are are, are wrapped in barbed wire and sometimes you walk by and ooh, snag each other ooh, you know and cut ooh, and all that stuff good images but I, I we i was really got to a place where i was really just like man we, you know i'm trying my best i'm praying every day i'm, I'm giving my life to the lord i'm doing all this stuff and um again selfish i i i all those things but i, I called bob because we had been talking and, and gotten to know each other and and I told him, I said, I'm really struggling, and I, I'm just embarrassed about it. I don't know who to talk to. Here I am, this guy on ministry, talking every week yep. to on the on the you know show about how to have a good marriage and be a good man, and I'm failing at it myself. And long story short, um, he, he you know he's like, well, you should come to our unveiled retreat, and he tried to offer us tickets. We couldn't get there; it was in a couple of days. Um, but I said, Bob, I'm just I'm so embarrassed. I feel like such a hypocrite. And he said, John, uh, hypocrite. He said, try being a marriage counselor for 35 years and being on the brink of divorce mm, the entire time mm, and going week mm, in and week out and helping other people but not being able to help yourself. Mm, mm, I'll never forget mm, that. Yeah. You know, but it also makes me realize like how many people are in that place where they are struggling and they're just like, well, we're just going to stay together. And then you look up and the last kid's 18 and then the people are apart. Yeah. If they make it that long. This is so, this is, this is the birth of Joyful Ever After. So when yeah. Melanie and I formed in 2020, much of it was, first of all, was an inspiration from God in the year before, and things just came like a big, a big vision. But the wounding there was precisely that. We started mm-hmm. to see friends of ours also married 20, 25, 30 years divorcing. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm coming up from a name like, you know, I call it sad. It's a suddenly announced divorce, right? Yeah, yeah. Where people you think you know, and you do know. Like, sure. Think, you, know, you know, they're friends, but it's so well hidden. It's so um, actively hidden that it's falling apart right in front of your eyes. And we we lost two very close uh, couple friends. Mm-hmm. In fact, one was godparents for wow. our kids, for two of our kids. Wow. And we were like, Some, something's going on. Something's going on. Something that can endure for exactly what you said through the child raising years up until a point, but it can't last forever. Where there's, yeah. Because these were good people sure, who made, you know, not agreeing with the decision, of course, but understanding the pain. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, like, how vulnerable are we? Yeah, haven't been through our oh, yeah. rough time, right? Yourself, yeah. So I think the the one of the American Catholic cultural things is we need to find that uh, really effective, but also very personal way of being there for each other. Yeah. And a lot of it's affective, you know, just knowing that you belong and that you've got somewhere to go and that place where you don't have to worry about the shame or you know you can overcome the shame. Sure. Yeah. Right. But all of it is just is just knowing what do we need to maintain a, a healthy, flourishing marriage that accomplishes its purpose, yeah. right? Of, of personal sanctity, of uh, a culture of love and a culture of life 
you know, familiaris consortio, the family in the modern mm-hmm. world. John Paul II had had four criteria for for family life, and it had to do with what we call you know odd intra and odd extra. Mm-hmm. And the odd intra is about serving life and about serving a place of love and communion, and then it's also about serving the community and the needs of the church. Yeah. So there's like this breathing that yeah, marriage yeah. is meant to be, and there's a public dimension to it. So joyful ever after, as we started to really pray through the mission, we were very clear we didn't we're not writing new programs, although we did because of COVID. Sure, you know, right? well, yeah, you, you know, do we're, what you we're not do. doing big events, but we did because of COVID. Yeah, you know, that's right. yeah. uh, the vision was really you know how we build authentic friendships amongst couples, Amen. not just small groups. You know, yeah, that's like that weird. You've been if you've been in small groups, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, always yeah. the weird. You know, yeah, you know, yeah, God yeah, bless. Yeah. It's it's the right you know, sense of, of getting together and being, but when it's like this force, it's like, you're not really building friendship. Yeah. You're you know? showing up, checking a box, surface level. Sharing. Well, you kind of want to, but yeah. then it's like, well, I'm going to tell you my junk. I'm you know, I, enjoying I, the scones, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. Scones, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I got to get the kids. Oh, that's right. right. I've got a polo match in a minute. Yeah. But <laughs> like, you know, like your beautiful backyard yeah. and my backyard and the grill and the, yeah. you know, inviting folks over and just without an agenda, without even a, you know, we pray, we know something. And then, watch how that that fellowship yeah draws us together and sort of reduces the swelling you'd be like hey john man i've always wanted to ask you this whenever you get that yeah you're like oh, okay sure. the grill's doing the job right yeah. the fire pit's doing this job yeah because you want that in, in real freedom to know that you're not alone yeah so joyful ever after was about that public dimension of marriage that would help to build and to and to sort of drop the barriers where all these suddenly announced divorces yeah, fester, right? Mm-hmm. And that, the help that you need is not at the moment of crisis. The help would happen much, much sooner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it, it's like anything else; it, it, things lead up to that. And that's that's one of the things I pray. Um, and I don't even think I've told Angel this in a while, but but that's one thing I pray every day: is Lord, like, let me. My worst fear is that our children get older, and Angel and I don't know how to be with each other. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think that's yeah. what happens with a lot of people: is Very they much. just get like. Okay, well, I don't even know you anymore, and your interests are different, and mine are different because you were taking kids to soccer, and I was taking kids to football, and I had my thing, and you had your thing, and and that's been one of my worst nightmares is that that's the case because I and and it's something that you can either sit back and dread all your life and do nothing, or it's something you can start looking at now. Like if that's something that I really feel is on the horizon or a possibility, then what am I doing about it now? Yeah, and 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 to your point. A lot of people are like, well, I want to do something, but I don't know what to do. We That's run right. into that with men's groups. That's it's right. Like, I want to do something. I want to start men's groups where there's vulnerability and there's vibrancy and authenticity and accompaniment. But I don't, all I know to do is there's like programs. Should I get one of those and right. push play? And we'll just get in a room and have some donuts and see you next week. And and I think you know underlying what you're saying is what's been missing in our church a long time, which is a co- true accompaniment. You know, it's true accompaniment, like walking with one another, entering into one another's lives. And some of my, you know, some of my favorite moments in my worst moments hmm. have been in that backyard hmm. when I've had friends over and all of a sudden I'm like, Hey Angela, go get this or Angela, get me a beer. Or, da, da, da. And one of my buddies comes over and goes, Hey man, uh, I don't think that's the way you're supposed to be living with your marriage. Boom. Right. Boom. And I'm like, shut up, man. You know, <laughs> but it's, but it's the truth. Like to have those people in your life that, that also lift you up, but they also call you out when those behaviors that are detrimental that's right. to your marriage are present. And, I mean, it, we can't survive in this world without people doing that with us alongside of us. So I, I'm always, I always love like words and phrases. They help me sure, just to sure. process stuff, right? And that's my category, what I call relational authority. Yeah. Right. And you have to grant that. 
You yeah. can't you can't demand it from somebody, right? If you mm-hmm. if you invited them over, you know they're a friend sure. at some level, right? Mm-hmm. And they're witnessing the way your marriage is working, and our and our culture works is that you know you don't get into other people's business. You kind of just turn yeah. by, you get your beer, you kind of drink a little bit, you kind of really roll your eyes a little bit, be like, mm, that didn't look too good. And then you go yeah, home, and be sure. like, I saw something that didn't look too. But yeah. to to have the racial authority says, yo, bro, that's you know. Hey, you know, Angela, you're a good woman to take up with this man. You know, sure, you, know yeah. you get into it <laughs> yeah, yeah. because it is our business. Yeah. It's not everybody's business. Um, Steubenville did a, a study and they, they call them um, relational, I think they call them uh, study quads or bio yeah, quad, yeah. the quad thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I adopted that years ago, in, in probably 2019 when I first heard about it. Like this, So I want to build a couple quads. Mm-hmm. I think it's a sweet spot. Right, you get one or two couples, it gets really intimate. Really, you get ten, you get lost. Right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, but yeah. there's something about building, you know, that group of three other couples where you really journey together. And there's also, uh, sounds contradictory, but there's also a sweet spot of getting new people in. Oh yeah. So there's there's a flowing river to it where it's not like you find your four and then you kind of huddle together and sure. then you know you know. No thanks, we don't want anybody else. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. there's got to be somewhere a natural way. I don't know what the time limits. Are. I don't know yet. We're going to sure. be piloting all that. But there's something about you know that this openness to to invite new in mm-hmm. because and it does change the dynamic of the group and it's good. It's yeah. uncomfortable, but it's good, right? Sure. And then as we start to get really you know, familiar and it doesn't end the group, but it also kind of carries with a responsibility to start another group. Yeah. Right. You oh, see yeah. this on the men's side, right? Sure, 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 you know yeah. what happened when you get your crew of people and everybody kind of wants to stay here because it's safe. Mm-hmm. You totally understand. But the real life comes not in the pond. It comes in the river. Sure. Right. So I think in, in, if we're going to transform the culture, which we have the power and I think we have the authority and responsibility to do it as yeah. Catholics, we have to start implementing these things as lay people. Uh, under the authority that we've been given sure and let the family do what the family does but the church is the family of families yeah instead of saying hey father i think we should start a family group i mean it's like we do this all the time we do this all the time father we should do a men's group another thing he's like (laughs) it's like okay you know but we don't need in those senses you know that that permission of priest and bishop or you know the clerical responsibility we want it coordinated we want it integrated mm-hmm. we want to work with for his gifts to be part of this and move sure. for sure but as far as this is on us yeah like you, you're out there you're doing it i try and I think to we, yeah well this is you are doing it yeah. let's just name it right yeah this would not have been something that was part of the you know the 1950s church or the 60s church right yeah it's the rise of the laity the second vatican council called very explicitly and it's taking the right authority in a right place that doesn't compete with the clerical. It actually right. complements it. And when both of these are out of order, one of them tries to overcompensate for the other. Mm. So you hear this these radical sort of, we don't need priests, we are the church, and we can do all, you know, as sure. if the clerical, and they're all out of whack, you know, sacramentally and ecclesially. Sure. But for years, we had the clericalism for decades, if not for centuries, where everything went through the priest. Yeah. Everything went through the bishop. Mm-hmm. And if he says, this is what you do at home, people go, okay, well, I'll be a good Catholic and do this at home. So, you know, we can't have a romantic vision of somehow going back to some era. Yeah. This is a new era that the church has never seen. And the rise and the strength, the gifting of the laity in service and in integrated with the clergy and the church, we have the capacity to do what the church has never been able to do, yeah. you know, both in the world and within the church. Sure. People would come to us in flock if we really took care of each other the way that we have the capability of. And the way that we pro- we project it, we do right. We say it because, yeah. and we keep saying it. But if we lived it, yeah, it, it's such a it's such a contrast. It is such we're like we're highlighting the, the contradiction. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because how can we be so joyful in a world that doesn't even define marriage? Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But if we lived it, they're going to have to stop and be like, well, it's like, like yeah. even our, like our Mormon brothers and sisters, yeah. right? We, we don't, without getting into the theology, sure, we sure. look at the Mormons and we're like, they, they got this family thing down. Yeah. Right? And yeah. you got to give them the props for the for the priority and how they do it, sure. regardless of of the the theology. So in that sense, it's a public witness. Mm-hmm. And if Catholics did that beyond you know the stereotypes of you know having eight kids, you know yeah, fifteen sure. kids, uh, the world would, would would have to be like you got to give the Catholics those some happy families. Yeah, and and, right? and this is exactly a place where the lady can take the lead, right? Because priests can't get married. Yep. Right. I mean, they're married to the body of Christ, obviously, but but in the literal sense, I mean, you need to have lady. Living and and, and it's rising up. This and, is our and, proper domain. This, right. this is our right domain. Yeah, because and we need we're to step in it up every day. Yep. Yeah, and that's the thing too. I mean, our, our bishop says all the time, Bishop Tally. I've heard him a million times say, "Look, ninety nine percent of the all of the church is on the other side of the altar, mm. not the side that I'm on, mm. right?" And I want you to stand up and do things. And and then where we run into the problem, Damon, is so many people. I see it in men's ministry all the time. There were guys yesterday. I did a training after the conference for I think there was fourteen different parishes of men there that wanted to start something for men. And, and everything was, well, I, what am I going to do? And I'm like, I'm fixing to show you, and I'm going to give you the tools to be able to do this. Yeah, but I don't. I didn't either. Yeah. I didn't either. Yeah, it's like, it's scary. I mean, yeah. it, it, we come to, come to grips with that kind of leadership, that kind of responsibility. Yeah. There's there's some there's some terror there, right? Oh, yeah. Because, but the way that you're doing it, the way that you know you build in friendship, you build friendship in friendship. Yeah, right. Amen. So you're there, and you're like, look, he, add 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 your heart and stir. Yeah, right. That's it. If you got the heart, here's how you do it. That's it. So you yeah. don't have to be, you know, the 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 creator of all new content. You yeah. just gotta have the heart, the responsibility to take the lead. Sure. And when you take that lead, you're gonna you're gonna realize you're gonna come up with a dozen other leaders. That's right. They're gonna show up. And I, and I never remember, you know, any of the apostles handing Jesus a resume, you know, and <laughs> here's everything I've done in evangelization. If you'd have me, Lord, yeah, right? right? It's, right. He picked the worst of the worst and the guys that shouldn't have been, you know, shouldn't have been anywhere near uh, bringing people to the faith, and they changed the world that's right and that's what i'm trying to preach to people all the time i don't have a theology degree mm. i don't have any i don't even have a college degree mm. right but i love the lord and he's i've met him i've encountered him he's changed my life and he's given me gifts and talents that i've now recognized to be able to go out and serve others and, and those are the requirements of, of in the kingdom those are the requirements yeah. in the economy the yeah. degrees are are in the other economy sure but we're part of it so we're like dual citizens so it's not sure. dismissing it yeah it's just saying don't let that distract you yeah from you know, where god's calling you amen well so I mean, Damon, like we've been talking for a while now, and and, and I know uh, we're going to get to dinner in a little bit because you've been flying and traveling <laughs> and stuff. But for those out there that that may be struggling mm-hmm. in their marriage right now, because I mean, I I can't tell you how many emails I get all the time, either from men that are struggling, or I get some from wives and that have said, you know, our marriage. I, I remember I ran into a guy in Louisiana. I was done a men's conference in Lafayette. I go to that airport. It's four four gates. I'm exhausted. I'm I know thinking, that airport. I'm, yeah, I'm like I want to get a Michelob Ultra, and then I'm going to sit down and like be by myself for a minute. And this guy uh, saw my shirt. And, no, they saw your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. What is that floating head above the crowd? Yeah, but uh, he saw my logo on the shirt, something I had on, and he came over and he, he's like, "Hey, do you have anything to do with that podcast?" And as soon as I as I said something, he recognized my voice because we didn't have video; it was all audio at the time. And, uh, and he comes over and he gives this witness to me about, mm. as he's crying, saying he was on the verge of losing his marriage. He was mm. struggling with porn. He was, mm. His wife was uh, had enough. And he ran into an episode that we put out there on marriage one time or lust or something like that. It's been a while. It was one of those. But 
he witnessed this this change in his marriage because of of someone openly talking about the struggles in their own, yes. right? And, yes. and that's so you know I know there's people out there that are struggling. There's wives that I mean she sent an email. His wife wound up because I gave him my email and she sent an email and just was this beautiful heart box. Sat there crying like a baby when I got it about thank you because if it had not been for your willingness to talk about your own struggles. I don't know that we would have made it through ours. Mm, and so mm. I know there's plenty of people out there and you're, you know, you're one of the leading experts on marriage, what it needs. I mean, you, you live it. You don't just talk about it. You live it. So what would you tell people right now that may be in the middle of a struggle? I know there's a million struggles, yeah. but what do you have specifically advice for them, where to go, what to do? Obviously you have your materials and, and what you do in your, your ministries, but what would you say because right now we're in this crisis of marriage in the world. Uh, people aren't getting married. They're not staying married. I mean, it's just it's it's a it's a cesspool in a way of some of these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this is the beauty of sort of that first meeting that I have with couples or with or with husbands. Melanie and I have have landed on a very particular approach to this that. Um, we are not therapists. We refer all the time as necessary, right? Sure. And we we do some couple coaching right mm-hmm. on the couple level but we found that the real impact that we have is in uh, spousal coaching individual spousal coaching okay so melanie has a very particular approach for uh, wives okay i have a very particular approach for husbands and what i would say in general without knowing anyone's story about what yeah. they're doing first and foremost there is a public dimension of marriage that's essential mm-hmm. that's sort of the first standard to throw up into the air that you are not expected and marriage isn't created to live in privacy and isolation mm-hmm. there's a there's a private dimension a personal dimension but not a private dimension yeah right? there's something very personal about it we're not spreading our business around the world yeah but there's also is a of its nature in marriage is a public dimension that's why we have witnesses to marriage that's why we have it in a you know with a certain impact that we know it has on community mm-hmm. so whether it's individual coaching co- couple coaching um, you know, podcast, yeah, sure. spiritual direction, or, you know, full-on therapy when it's required, honor that. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised how many people think that that all those outreaches are signs of failure. Right. And it's that's not true. It actually is a sign of the nature of marriage. Yeah. And when, you, when you're deprived of that for a certain amount of time, all of these particular issues fester. Mm-hmm. So there can be situations without, this is obvious, you mentioned pornography, uh, addictions, uh, mental illness, physical illness mm-hmm. on one spouse or the other that changes the whole dynamic within the marriage. Yeah. And what you'll see oftentimes is that the, the, the spouse who is not living up to their male or female role in the marriage, which is unique to them, mm-hmm. although it has you know universal dimensions, male and female, sure. but it's very specific to marriages, the other will overcompensate. So even when this gets healed it begins the healing, it actually brings to bear the overcompensation. For example, um, the the wife who has a certain expectation about uh, her husband's role, mm-hmm. the husband may be a CEO of a company. When he gets home, he's just cuckold, right? He's sure? just, yeah. be, but she's completely competent. The house is amazing. The kids are in all the programs. And she's getting, she's in the women's group and the guild and she's doing it. And there's this control factor that happens because there's an expectation of a certain level of performance and mm-hmm. uh, perception in the home and he's just not I, if I didn't tell him what to wear he wouldn't know what to wear he'd embarrass us by putting this on or sure. this house would never but and he's kind of backing down like you know I'm Kayla Roost at work but she's the queen here so I'm just going to back 
Yeah. So it, it makes sense on the top to say, well, that's just how they, they operate. But the problem is the, the resentments. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's the, that's the key of everything, right? Mm-hmm. That's the tell. And sure. the tell is things may be getting done, and you may be able to go years, decades in that form, but the resentments build. That wife is just res- so resentful. The mm-hmm. husband is so resentful of being controlled and of being you know, put down and not experiencing you know, the, the headship mm-hmm. that honors her and honors him. So in that long answer to say, honor the public dimension, but also recognize that the struggle to get back to this order is it's prayerful, but it's also skill-based. Mm-hmm. So there are things that we need to learn about the role as a husband and what's there. And it may, it's going to sh- probably shake up the house for a little sure. bit <laughs> in the short term. But what it'll do is we'll start to reset the order that's natural. So um, I'm not being coy in the language as much as I'm being general because the situations are always different. Sure. But there's a public dimension. There's a very particular role that men need and are called to, mm-hmm. very particular role that women need and are called to. And even when there's variations within that, resentment, frustration becomes sort of the, the, bear, the, the bellwether of whether things are really out of order. For the men that are listening now, I highly recommend um, you know, learning, first of all, coming to, coming to terms with what your needs are, where are the frustrations, sure. right? And not dismissing them as just, oh, I'm gonna offer them up to God. Mm-hmm. You can still offer them, but also honor them. Amen. Right? Yeah. You can offer them up and honor them. Like, this is my need. It's an injustice not to have it. And I'm hurt, Lord, but I give over to you my right to be offended. Sure. But it's an offense as opposed to saying, well, you know, I got to get over this and I got to, you know, if I did this and they would make this kind of, you know, we start to negotiate with these. And I say the same yeah. thing for the women who are listening, right? It's a human thing. Our desires are really important. Yeah. Really important. And we don't need to suppress them. Oh, Lord, no. Yeah. No. And we also don't need to indulge them. Right. Amen. <laughs> right. So we've got the two extremes. <laughs> yeah. But we also, we always listen to them because sure. they're, they're desires of our heart. Yeah. It's not, we haven't calculated them. It's not an intellectual thing. So it's aligning, purifying, and pursuing these desires of our heart in the unique context of our marriage. We've noticed, Melanie and I, a, a very large and probably underserved, very underserved population of people at this individual level. Now, there are many couples who can come together as a couple and say, you know, help us with this. Sure. Fantastic. Let's go from good to great. Let's handle yeah, it. Yeah. And that's a great gift. But there are so many who can't even sit across a table from a coach, from a therapist, as a couple, because it actually makes the situation worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is the witness you'll hear from couple therapy, from couple coaching. It's very easy to get so bad in a relationship that the husband and wife can't yet work on their marriage together, together. Yeah. because things are so out of order and so much resentment and hurt at that level. Um, we are always a people of hope. Yeah. And marriage itself is meant to be the place where we work out our salvation in fear and trembling. If we've made that vow, this is the place where we work out our salvation. And what do I mean by that? Th- that heaven in relational terms, here's our TOB, yeah. is perfect union with Christ. It's becoming Christ. Bone to bone and flesh fits the marriage talked about in Revelation. That eternal life is this eternal union with the Son. That that the Father looks and He sees us and He sees the Son. Mm-hmm. Right. So to be in perfect union with the Father, God has given us marriage, natural marriage, and, and sacramental marriage, so that we can experience personal communion and learn to grow to become bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. It's a school, 
sin keeps us from that perfection, keeps us from that fullness. But there's the, the salvation outside of that is not the goal. Yeah. Right? Now, there's always situations of personal harm and, and safety and, and sure. the need for all of that. But don't dismiss the, what marriage can do in its resolution to heal your heart. Amen. Do, do not look around, see everyone else, and then turn your head. Because the world is operating on an entirely different understanding of marriage. We're in matrimony. The world is in a new form of marriage. Mm-hmm. Matrimony, matrimonio, is the munis to motherhood. It's the state of being in motherhood for salvation. So we have to reclaim some of our understanding and our language so that our examples and our authority is not the broader culture. It's not the prevailing culture. It really is that original, that primordial, and that enduring understanding of marriage that this is a healing place. This is a place where we learn and we have to, it's here or, you know, very difficult to find, I'm gonna say you never find it, very difficult to find another place. Hang in there yeah. and search in that public dimension for the help needed. Amen. Well, Damon, you've been talking uh, about two different apostolates, two different things that you're in, you're in, uh, in, in, in partnership with, first your own and then with Communio. Where can people find that? Where can they get the resources? Talk a little bit about those two things as we come to a close here. Yeah, absolutely. So as far as Communio, we are in search of. Maybe your your, your audience can help us. Sure. We're looking for that rock star priest, that pastor okay. who's already on fire for marriage and relationship ministry. It could be singles, marriage prep, marriage enrichment, marriage in a crisis. And I just need 30 minutes with him okay. to show how we can help him accomplish what he's already on. We're still a small Communio. Communio.org, uh, and we don't have the resources to convince priests that marriage is worth the priority. So that's just sure. someday, hopefully. Sure. Yeah. But right now, we're looking for those priests who are already mission-minded. That focusing on marriage fills the pews. Yes. Focusing on marriage serves people in the pews and draws people from the community to the parish, and that's what we do. Communio. Uh, reduced the divorce rate in Jacksonville, Florida, by twenty four percent in a three year trial. Yeah, I remember twenty four percent. Randy Hammond, do you know Randy Hammond? Randy Hammond, yeah, yeah, he's mm-hmm. here in Memphis, and he was telling me that in a meeting one time. It's, That's the first time I ever heard of him. It's the real deal. And yeah. we just issued a nation nationwide a nationwide study on faith and relationship, and you can go to communio dot org slash study. Okay, and you need to see the real state of marriage in the country. It's um, it's shocking. This is not an issue. This is the issue. Yeah, uh, it is resident fathers and the lack of resident fathers that um, is the decline in faith participation. Mm-hmm. Family decline drives faith decline. That's yeah. our major conclusion. Nineteen thousand, hundred and thirteen churches in you know thirteen states. Um, this is this is worth our our focus on, and then joyful ever after. And you can reach me at, at communio.org sure. or at joyfuleverafter.org to speak specifically about this coaching aspect. Okay. Um, we're piloting both the uh, husband spousal and the, the wife spousal coaching uh, with a model that um, uh, we're just so excited about. Yeah. I mean, it's it actually taken from a secular model that's perfectly in line, but we've incorporated that into the sacramental vision sure. uh, in a way that adds you know, very specific a prayer life, spiritual life relationship with the Lord, but the skills are human, mm-hmm. and the human skills of a wife are different but complementary to the human skills of a husband. Mm-hmm. And when you look at these skills together, you start to see what it takes to live daily in real intimate communion. Sure. So our tagline is: Get the marriage you want from the marriage you have. 
Yeah. Right? I remember seeing that. Right? So joyfulleverafter.org is, is where you can learn more about that. Okay. And you also speak. I mean, you're speaking at Seek. You're, you're doing all these different things out there. I know you do missions and stuff like that. They can find that, too, at Joyful Ever After. Or... Yep, Joyful Ever After. Yep. Okay. And we're there. That's well, it. D- Damon, man, I'm so excited to get to spend the rest it's of this evening with you. good to see you, man. You, man. You I'm too. so proud of you. Everything you're oh, doing here is so amazing. Man. It's rightful. It was such a right fit well, for you. And I'm so glad it's flourishing. Well, thank you. And, I mean, you, you, you talked about earlier, you know, in and out, the breathing in and out, right? Mm-hmm. Someone helped you along, and Big then time. you turned around and you helped me. The mm-hmm. same way you're talking about these new people have to come in a group, you know, you help those new people because someone helped you. Exactly. It's that opportunity to turn around and reach back and give the gift that you were given. And you certainly have done that for me, Damon. You've mm-hmm. been a great friend. I love every time that we get to spend time together. I can't wait to hear you tomorrow night. I'm going to run over to St. Michael's, <laughs> and I'll be the tall guy in the back. But, <laughs> but uh I can't you're wait to be the tall guy in the back. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Unless you're the tall guy on stage. I don't want to hear down in front the whole time. It might disturb <laughs> your talk. So, <laughs> but anyway, brother, thank you for everything you're doing. You're such a gift. Thank Again, you. go to joyfullyeverafter.com. Joyfulleverafter.org. Joyful dot org. Ever after, yeah. Say that again because I'm joyfulleverafter.org. Okay, and communio.org. That's it. All right. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you, All man. All right. God bless.